I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap, and here on our flagship program, Nerdy Show, we change things up every other week to give you something different from our usual humorous and tangent-prone exploration of all the different things happening in the nerd world. Sometimes we'll do single-subject discussions, either short microsodes or longer explorations of things. Sometimes we'll do interviews, and sometimes something different altogether. Well, for the next couple every other week installments of Nerdy Show, we're going to be presenting audio from some of the panels that I ran at this year's Heroes Con. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, the creators of Curse Words, and two weeks from now, you're going to hear me talk to the legendary artist Gerhard, who made his name in the comics industry by collaborating on the longest, and certainly one of the greatest, independent graphic narratives of all time, Cerebus the Aardvark. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Heroes Con is my favorite comic convention, and there's a very simple reason why, and that is that it's actually a comic convention. Like most of the biggest shows that everyone talks about out in the pop culture world, those used to be comic conventions, and now they are nerdy media expos. Meanwhile, Heroes Con is pretty much all about comics, and every year it draws in the best, most awesome talent, not just of the biggest names in the industry, but also plenty of up-and-comers who may someday become the biggest names in the industry. In the like seven or so years I've been going, I've seen exactly that happen. So I highly recommend making it out to Charlotte, North Carolina one of these years and going to see Heroes Con for yourself if you've never been. Funny thing about North Carolina is these days it's actually kind of like the epicenter for comic conventions that are just about comics and are also very awesome. Earlier this year, I went to North Carolina Comic Con Oak City in Raleigh, And later this year is their big show, North Carolina Comic-Con Bull City. And, weirdly, because two great quality conventions aren't enough, they've also got a Greensboro show happening, I think, in September, which I might come out for, so more info on that as it develops. But anyway, enough of the technical crap. In this episode, Aaron Holland and I led a panel focusing on curse words. The comic book. It's a new series from Image, Written by Charles Soule, who you may know as the guy behind an amazing run on Swamp Thing, She-Hulk, the incredible Lando Calrissian miniseries, a number of other Star Wars books, and the very recent relaunch of Darth Vader. And Ryan Brown, an awesome artist with a lot of his own indie projects under his belt. 
If you've never read the book before, no problem. This episode, it can still be for you. Because while we talk about some of the interesting origins of some of the characters and so on, ultimately, this discussion ended up being a lot about the art of comic collaboration and how two folks can come together and make something utterly unique that they never could have made apart. So if you're interested in how comics are made or fun anecdotes about storytelling or also about this book specifically, this show's for you. Let's talk about Curse Words, a fantasy comedy set in our world about a dude named Wizard, who's a guy with a kind of hipstery faux hawk haircut and a big bushy white beard. He's from another dimension, and he's been sent to sort of enslave our reality. But upon getting here, he realizes, well, hey, at least in the Western world, there's so much freedom here. There's no, like, mystical fantasy slavery and tyrannical overlords of the kind of, you know, demonic qualities. Though, I mean, hey, present day, that's sort of debatable. But either way, like, you know, not quite as obvious at the very least. So he decides, okay, I'll defect from my uh, tyrannical overlord who wanted me to take over the world. Sets up shop, says, hey, I'm an actual goddamn wizard, and then, you know, whips out his magic and everyone is in awe and he becomes an instant celebrity. And with him is his faithful assistant, Margaret, who is helping him scout Earth as a rat. But when Wizard turned over a new leaf, said, hey, I want to be something cute as fuck. So she showed him a picture of a koala. But of course, none of this sits right with the evil overlord who sent Wizard to Earth in the first place. Hilarity and calamity ensues, and uh, one important detail that I should not overlook is that Wizard is not a good person. He's still the same self-centered, prone-to-not-good-things person he was, but now he has an interest in preserving the happiness and liberty of the world he inhabits. So he's not a good person, and he's not doing good things, but he will stop the creatures that are trying to enslave the world. And once again, hilarity ensues. So that's curse words in a nutshell. And that's probably all you need to know before clicking our Amazon links and buying this book. But, you know, also, now we're going to hear the creators tell some great stories about the process of making this wonderful book. Okay, the panel has officially begun. Welcome, everyone, to the Curse Words panel at Heroes Con. I'd like to introduce um, Ryan Brown and Charles uh, Soli. Soli? Yeah. It's Charles Soule that he is silent. Our uh, production company that we use to create the book is Silent E Productions, LLC. Because, <laughs> because his name is Ryan Brown, Brownie. Brownie, and my name is Charles Soule, solely, but you know, it's Silent E, so I, it's actually I, Brown I and Soule. I have a confession to make. Oh, you do pronounce the E? No, I told him to say your name wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. It's really cool. So, you already know curse words, or you wouldn't be in this room. You are the the linchpin of the curse words demographic, uh, your early adopters, which is fantastic. The trade is out in July, and it's it feels almost like it's a you know like a book that a lot of people are going to find in trade. Uh, we just got our initial orders for the trade, and it, they were big. Barnes and Noble weren't really big on it, and stuff like that. So we're very hopeful that the book will continue to do well. But it would not have done this like the interest wouldn't have been there without people like you picking up the book early. Thank you very much for supporting Cursors the way you guys have. I appreciate it immensely. Ryan doesn't. I do. Yeah. No. No. I appreciate it a lot more because I only get to do one book a month, and he gets to do like ten. So yeah. it means even more to me. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to Barnes and thanks to Noble. Yes. For being wonderful gentlemen, I think. Yeah. Is that is that their last names? Or is that one man named Barnes Noble? No, it's it's Barnes and Noble. They also Barnes made that remember the, they made the wine cooler with the commercials? They the old guys sitting Barnes on the porch. Bartles and James? No, that was Barnes and Noble. No, that was Bartle James. No, Bar that's the book. 
That's the book people. What? Yeah. They make wine coolers? Wine coolers. <laughs> okay, so what should we talk about with respect to curse words that we haven't already talked about? How did you pick him to be the artist? I mean, he was doing really cool um, mini comics that I was buying since like 2010 or earlier. But why did you pick him and how did that come about? Well, I think, first of all, it's a bit of a misnomer or a misconception to say that I picked Ryan. I think it's better to say that we picked each other. <laughs> Ryan and I uh, have a similar background. We are both uh, Michigan folks. Um, and there was, was it Heroes? It was Heroes. I think it was the first time I met you, wasn't it? Could like be. many years ago? Could be. So, you know, Heroes is a very artist-friendly show. There's a lot of creators who are bringing their books, like especially people who kind of aren't, maybe aren't as established. And so I would say five or six years ago, another guy, another writer we know, B. Clay Moore, um, took me around to Ryan's table and said, you got to meet this guy. And at that point, Ryan had, I think, some self-published issues of his, his series, God Hates Astronauts, which is incredibly funny. It's not as good as Curse Words, but it's very good. And Blast Furnace, which is his other book about a, a, a recreational thief who... Um, I, I still like the thing about a lot of Ryan's humor is that it doesn't you don't understand it, but it still makes sense sort of. And and the main character of Blast Furnace is a thief who wears a tie that he sets on fire before he goes on his thieving jobs. So he's just running around with the, his ties on fire. And at first you think it's like a magical tie or something like that, and then later in the series you see him actually getting a, a normal tie out of his closet, setting it on fire, and then going off to his his gig. So. Basically, I really thought Ryan was, was a funny guy. I don't know what Ryan thought of me, but we started hanging out at shows, like a lot of shows. And so we would often like get drunk and then we would start telling each other stories kind of at the bar. And, and we called that riffing. That's what we called it, riffing. And so we would start with a premise and then we would start telling each other a story and we would bounce it back and forth. We did one about Stiltman, which was still a classic. We have so many good Stiltman ideas. There's so many. Oh man, I wish. There's a Stiltman idea that is. Well, what I said we could do. Um, what were we gonna do? Like we we're gonna do a knockoff of Stiltman. Yeah, tall, tall legs man. Yeah, ex ex extendo, extendo leg. Extendo leg. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, we we make each other laugh, which I think sounds kind of cheeseball, but I it's. Very true. So I think we were talking about doing a book for a, for a long time together, and it was mm -hmm. about kind of where our windows would, would line up, because I'm, I'm writing a ton of stuff for, for Marvel, some other series, and, and Ryan was very busy with his God Hates Astronaut series. So maybe you can take it from there, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, we had always talked about working together, um, and when God Hates Astronauts was when I was going to end the series, uh, nice. that's, that's when we, we started talking about how can I now work with someone that will help my books actually sell. Uh, unlike Smart. God Hates Astronauts. So I saw Charles's star on the rise and I hitched my wagon to his star. Yep. Is that the thing that they say? Yep. You hitch your wagon to the stars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had, I had a wagon, I had a wagon that was led by a star, which it was hitched to, mm -hmm. uh, named Charles. And <laughs> then Charles and I started working on a, we worked on a pitch that was more serious, more high concept, more Charles's baby that he had been thinking about for a while. Mm -hmm. And then right when we finished the pitch, there was an extremely similar looking book that just got announced. And so that pitch the, died on the, the vine. What happened, it was, it was really great. So Ryan and I were like, man, we're gonna do this book. And I was like, I've got this very detailed, complex idea. I've read a whole bunch of books about how it would work. It was about money. It was a book about the way money makes the world work. <laughs> And it was called Cash, and it was it was cool. And so then we um, we developed this pitch, and Ryan drew a bunch of art. We really did our best to bring this thing into the world. 
and then we sent it to Eric Stevenson an image. So that was maybe Wednesday, and then literally that weekend was what's called Image Expo, which is this big festival where they announce all the upcoming image books. And right in, like they announced basically two books that didn't have the same premise, but they were both about kind of financial stuff. And so Eric gets back to us the next week or so. He's like, guys, listen, I really want to do something with you, but we think putting out three books about the history of money at the same time maybe is not the greatest idea because that won't make any money paradoxically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's like, what else do you have? And we're like, well, shit, uh, we didn't have a lot. And so I, we were talking on the phone, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, Ryan, I've, I've had this idea for a little while about uh, a wizard who's a dick. And Ryan was like, tell me more, tell me more. We talked about it for a little while. I didn't have a lot of story. Like it kind of went back and forth about how much of a dick he was going to be. And you've all read the book, so you know that he ends up being kind of a dick. Like he's pretty much a, a bad dude. Um, a likable dick. Yeah, a likable dick, like, like some dicks can be. Yeah. And so then Ryan drew a picture of him. It was at Baltimore. Baltimore. The ash can came out at Baltimore one year later. Ah. So that was the first drawing I did of Wizard. And the book was originally called Wiz Sword, <laughs> which is a combination of wizard and sword. Yep. Um, but we would show the title written out to people and have them try and pronounce it and, and, they, and, and they they very couldn't figure it out. So imagine, like in your head right now, think of the letters W-I-Z-S-W-O-R-D smushed together in one word, right? So you've got that Z-S-W in the middle of there. It's not... Wiz Sword. Not, not, it seems it's obvious a to me. Sword. seems obvious it's to me. perfect. No one else we showed it to, Philistines understood it the way we did. So we cut out the SW, ended up with Wizard, which is obviously still the main character's name. And then um, that was the title of the book we pitched the image was Wizard. And we, we were ready to live and die on that title. And Image came back and said, you know guys, um, this book is, is awesome, but maybe another name. And we're like, fuck you, Image. <laughs> this book is called Wizard and that's it. And if you don't get it, Whatever. We're gonna start our own company called Image. Yep, yep. This is why this is why I hitched hitched my wagon to this star over the here. The legal the legal acumen, the negotiations, that kind of thing. That's yeah. that's my department. Didn't we talk about naming it Gosh, what was it gonna be? We had a lot. There's I have a so notebook. Many different my Christmas names. notebook has like a lot oh, of Oh, we it was we were gonna name it I Mage. I Mage. <laughs> that was a thought. That was a thought. I Mage. Lots and lots and lots of ideas. And then finally, I had proposed curse words at one point. We kind of came off her for a little while. Um, and then we sort of circled back and we, we said, what about, you know, we sent an email to Eric saying, what about curse words? And he's like, Eric is, is generally speaking a man of very few words when he sends emails. He, in so few words that he doesn't actually send emails often. And this time he sent back an email saying, that's fucking brilliant which is, yeah. for Eric Stevenson, is, is really something. So we figured that would be the title, and then we really started working on the book. Yeah. And now you've gotten to read five issues of it. So that's kind of the origin story of Curse Words, right? That's, yeah, that was a really good story. That was awesome. He Storytellers. Did he did Storytellers. it. He did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what else can we tell you about Curse Words? Tell us about Margaret. Tell us more about Margaret. Margaret. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will say that the creation of this book, especially early on, was a lot of back and forth. Part of the fun of working with Charles is he has an idea, I riff on the idea, uh, it goes back and forth. You know, I do a drawing, it gives him an idea based on the design I came up with. And I love drawing animals uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot more than almost anything. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that we got an animal in this thing. So I was trying to think about an animal that is actually easy 
to have that animal hanging out that it can actually do things. Like it has thumbs and can climb on things and hold things and have good facial expressions. So I did a drawing of Wizard and I threw a koala in there. I was like, what if he has a familiar that's a koala? And then we kicked back and forth on that. And then Margaret became Margaret and one of the, if not the best part of the book. Yeah, I think I think Margaret's really the core of the book from like an emotional standpoint. Have you all read through issue five? I don't know, so you're all, is that, I, I'm seeing not, there's like a big spoiler in issue five, so if you haven't read up to issue five, I'm not gonna, I don't necessarily wanna stay down the panel. Maybe, yes, no, no. Oh, I think I think you shouldn't say anything because okay. the trade comes out in July. And maybe they're just curious. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Want, what is this curse word? They want to go yep. to their friends Barnes yep. and Noble. Yes, and knock uh, <laughs> it down. Drink a couple wine coolers. Yeah. and and sit sit back. Um, it's a good reveal, though. It's it's. A, I would love to talk thanks. about it. Thanks. Were this a different scenario? Yes. Sure. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, about the way that the writing of this book is really informed by both of us. And I didn't know that Margaret was going to be what Margaret ends up being, or even that she was going to be a central to the book as she ends up becoming, until I was like in it. You know, I was pretty deep yeah. into writing yeah. it. And you know, I have a big plan for everything that happens in the book now, but I, all of that is sort of subject to change. I mean, Ryan, here, I'm gonna, here's the first reveal from the panel. If you hold your screen up to the microphone, they can see the picture better. Perfect, yeah. So, so this is the cover to issue nine. Can you see that it's a woman with a hole in her stomach? And that was an idea, like I, it, it made sense in the storytelling that we were doing up to that point, that this would be a woman with a hole in her stomach, trust me. It was just like, let's do a Death Becomes Her moment. Yeah, that, right? that was it. Which, you know, every, that classic movie that everybody knows <laughs> inside and out. Um, and there's, like, I want to get back to Death Becomes Her in a moment because there's, there's a lot of stuff in this book that's exactly like that. But basically, so Ryan, today, today, Ryan said, you know, I was thinking about that hole in her stomach, and what if the reason she has it is this? And I'm like, Ryan. That's genius. I actually shook his hand, which I almost never do. Because um, it's a binding contract? Well, that's a part of it. Um, Limited liability. But then, but then, you know, like, it's so smart and it works so well with the story we're telling that it's absolutely going to go in the book now. And that has been the real joy of working on this because we, it's, a, it's a true partnership, not a limited liability partnership, strangely, mm -hmm. but it is a, a partnership in that we're each throwing each other ideas back and forth about the way things are going to work. And it's, it's like we both know where the book is supposed to go, but if it takes a complete left turn, like that's that's fine. Oh, I expect it will. I mean, mm -hmm. with anything like this, part of the fun of making it is, again, playing off of each other and riffing off of the ideas that we have back and forth. So Charles sends me full scripts with dialogue and everything, and I draw them out, and then it goes back to Charles. He looks at it, he adjusts his script, then it gets lettered, and then after it comes back lettered and he sees it all working visually and reads it through, then he changes it usually quite a bit mm. and really makes it work with the way that I've drawn it. Every once in a while I will break one panel into two or I'll show it a little bit differently. And then that leads to him changing what he's written so that it works together. So that's one of the great parts about it. I've worked on plenty of other books where you get a script, you do the drawings of the script, it goes to the letter, it gets lettered, and then, then on the shelves, and that's it. So I, I think as it goes on, we have a much clearer idea of where it's going to go at this point than we did two issues ago, but that still can alter and slowly like sharpen its focus a little bit and add little things in there. Because I, I always like to add my own little touch uh, and little humor to the, to the drawings and then see how those ideas get adopted into other ideas later on.
there's the, like the glazier joke in issue six, mm -hmm. which is, you know what a glazier is? They, they fix windows, they fix broken windows. Oh, I thought they made donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so a perfect example of this process and the way that it works is that Brian Brown loves baseball, the sport. And uh, he loves watching, he loves talking about it, loves thinking about it, loves telling me things about it. I don't watch baseball or care about it too much. But baseball is a significant theme in curse words. It's sort of a hidden sub-theme that will be exposed more over time. But the way that we're, <laughs> we're doing it is that I'm writing all these baseball scenarios that I don't understand and I get very wrong. And so, <laughs> and Ryan's like, well, you know, that's not how I'm like, I don't care. This is the, the fun of it for me, not for Ryan, <laughs> is that I'm doing all this really wrong baseball stuff, but Ryan can't fix it or change it. So the baseball stuff is like materially wrong all over the place. But yeah, just... and then and then he'll put in his script, this takes place on a baseball diamond. Mm -hmm. And then he'll put an inline picture of a baseball diamond and say, here's what a baseball diamond looks like in case you don't know. Yes, that's very, that's very, that's what I, I like to do for my artists in the scripts, give them the reference they need. There's a, there's a one part in a script where a character is shooting lightning or lightning's coming out of her sword and uh, he, he equated it to a movie called Star Wars and then he wrote an explanation like of what Star Wars was. <laughs> yes, that's true. I forgot I did that. Um, and, and, you know, these, these scripts are not for you guys to read. I just do that so Ryan has something fun to read. We have a lot of arguments about the way planes should be depicted in curse mm, words. No, just storytelling. Yep. Straight so, so I'm going to ask you guys this. No. Okay. They won't. No. Yep. So if you were to say which direction is east, like left or right, which direction is east, right? So in the scripts, I said, um, okay, we have this airplane that is going west. So on the, the panel, it needs to be pointed, the nose cone needs to be pointed the west direction, like on a map, you know, like towards the left side of the page. To the reader's left. To the reader's left. And Ryan's like, no, that's wrong, because everybody will think that it's a plane somehow traveling backwards, mm -hmm. like point, somehow going backwards. Yeah. I'm like, Ryan, you're a maniac. And then later in the same script, I have the same plane, now it's going east. So I use the exact same photograph of a plane, but I flip it upside down. So you have an upside down plane, but the plane is pointed to the correct direction. But I explained to Ryan in the script that he shouldn't draw the plane upside down because that would look very strange. What you're not doing in this story is explaining why I think it looks like it's flying backwards. Here's a little thing about comics because we live where we live. We read from left to right. And it's a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, that we read from left to right, so your action starts on the left and goes right. So if you're punching someone, you start on the left side of the panel, you know, and your motion is going to the right, because as our eyes read through the page, we follow along going left to right. So motions, you want all your motion to move that way. If you have someone punching, the opposite way that you read, you see the end of the punch and then you read into the person's momentum and where they came from and it doesn't have the same impact. Then you read any comic you see over and over again. So when you make something that is supposed to be moving forward, like you think of, oh, it's, let's say a car driving, mm. and then you see a car driving that way and you're you reading it. West. You, it looks like it's going backwards here's, or it looks like it's stopped. Or, to okay. this All right. or to this, this point whatever you want to call it. So the song you cited, Tales of Old Time, whatever, that is from American Tale 2, Five Goes West, right? No, 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 no. It might be, it might be, it might be. 
So, um, so that's what curse words is like. We're glad you're enjoying it. Um, this is the creative process. This is the phone calls that we have. The phone calls. You know who we should ask? An airplane pilot? Barnes. Barnes and, and Noble. Barnes and James. Maybe. Maybe. So, another fun bit. Where did you want us to keep just telling you fun bits from the book that, like, okay. One person nodded, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a bit where a character in issue two, Ruby Stitch, who is the kind of the female lead of the book, is, is flying. She can turn into a gigantic cardinal. It's that kind of book. And she is flying. Oh, this is so dumb. It's the best. And so she is flying. <laughs> uh, she's flying to her home, which is a giant tree, because she's a cardinal. And uh, she's singing a song to herself. And the song is sort of in gibberish language, but it is not actually gibberish. It is actually Katy Perry's fireworks. And it goes, baby, you're a firework. That's all. The reason that this woman, this bird woman thing, is singing fireworks is because I've been to four baseball games in my life, I think. Several of them were Coney Island Cyclones, the, the, the Brooklyn Cyclones, rather, the, the minor league team there. Uh, and I would go in the summertime, and at the end of the games, they would have fireworks. Uh, and then they would play Katy Perry's fireworks during that. So for me, baseball games always play that song at the end. And because, again, there's this baseball theme that's kind of woven through a lot of the characters, but sort of distorted through this lens, kind of like my baseball lens is distorted. So the, the character is singing fireworks because that's what you sing at baseball games. And I explained this to Ryan, who's like, that never happens and doesn't happen, and you're an idiot. <laughs> you guys know that baseball is the one major sport that has a song associated to it. And it's not Katy Perry's fireworks. Katy fireworks. It's "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," which everyone sings every single baseball game during this stretch, right? I mean, if, if it was that, that would make total sense, and that would be a real clue. That would be a clue for someone that wasn't Charles. Yeah. Uh, so, or the wanted, national anthem. I just wanted people to, <laughs> you know, to sort of start you know putting the I mean? pieces together. National anthem would have been really good. Yeah. It's in the public domain too, so we won't have to be uh, getting sued by Katy Perry. You're right. Thank goodness we put the rights in the living liability company, though. Jeez, can we have a no liability company? <laughs> Let's get rid of the limited. <laughs> can we just have none? So I hope you're seeing how much fun it is to make this book. It's a lot of fun to make this book, mm. uh, and hopefully it comes across in the story. I think that that was really one of the things that we we started with from the beginning was let's make something that's obviously we knew it was going to be fun for us, but let's make it fun for readers because like a lot of books, like a lot of creator own books in particular right now are like, well here's this flavor of apocalypse and here's how the people are dealing with it. Here's this reason humanity has died and here's how people are dealing with it, right? And we wanted to do something where like you could you could get a laugh out of it. You know, you could learn about baseball. You could, you know. Oh no you can't. <laughs> so so that was the goal for the book. Um, but I will also say that he wanted he knows I like baseball, so he's gonna put baseball in this book. And he does, but he doesn't put baseball in it. He puts a baseball stadium in it, which is the least fun thing to draw about baseball because it's it's forty two thousand people in mm. in seats, and drawing people sitting down is really hard. So, like, if I were gonna draw this uh, room, I just would make you all in silhouette or something because that would it's really hard to do. And so, there seems to be this slight disconnect with what I know to be hard to draw and what Charles thinks might be fun to draw. Yes. And they ended up being the same thing all the time. <laughs> every issue, every single issue. With that, that I love this. Uh, Ryan, this is good. You're gonna, this is gonna be your favorite part of the issue. A baseball stadium. Yeah, you love baseball so Millions much. Millions of people. Mm -hmm. Hot Animal. dogs. Hot dogs, so many hot dogs. 
I've actually never, never done another book like this. I do a lot of, uh, a lot of music stuff. I've, you know, I've been in bands and, and a lot of jazz and lots of other things. And I think this is, this feels closest to that, um, like very sort of a slow motion jazz set that's going to take us three years to finish. But the way that it is developing sort of beat by beat and bit by bit and choices that seem so, like when you read the book, you're like, how could that not have been something that they planned from the start? And while there are certainly are things that we've had in since the beginning, there's stuff that like, like this thing with the hole in the stomach, like it just, it's perfect and fits so perfectly with what we're doing in the book, but we never would have gotten there, I think, if we hadn't, you know, made all the other choices ahead of time. It's really cool. You mentioned three years. Is that an arbitrary number or is that actually the duration of the There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, you know, like everything, it's uh, creating a story is a little bit flexible. We have pretty strong ideas of where it's going. Right now, we're thinking maybe 30 issues. Mm -hmm. Maybe with some specials, maybe more than 30 issues. Maybe we get sick of each other and it's only 10 issues. Seems like a good point to segue into the fan tour scene, huh? Yeah, I um, guess so. So that's, that's the idea. I mean, in comics, people always talk about ongoing series, but really an ongoing series just means uh, it's ongoing until it can reach its ending or it's ongoing until it's not making any money and the creators have to stop and get real jobs. When we are hurtling towards actually having a real ending which is exciting because you guys actually buy the book and so do mr uh, uh bartle james uh, uh noble noble barnes james bartle mm-hmm. um which is which is a pretty good name pretty good pretty good um <laughs> Speaking of getting sick of each other, which I hope we don't do. So far, it's been it's been great, but we are going on tour for the book this summer. You know, books come out, another image book comes out, another image book comes out, and, and sort of people stop talking about them because the next cool book is out. And you wanna you wanna think of ways in the comic market to make sure that people are thinking about your book. Oh, I've heard about that book. They're in the shop. They want to try it. And so, in connection with the trade coming out in July, we decided we we're going to get a van and we we're going to like paint it up all wizard style. We're going to drive around the country hitting comic book stores, uh, maybe dressed as wizards, probably dressed as wizards. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be dressed as a airplane going from left to right. <laughs> it's part of the book's theme, so that's fine. And so we're going to we're going to be on the road for more than three weeks in this van together. Uh, it's going to be great, I think. But yeah, it'll be really fun. It's uh, what 14 stores. 14 stores over um, many, states, many, we, many states. We start in Chicago on July 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a tour exclusive hardcover of yeah. the first trade, which is pretty dope. 
so we'll have we'll have that and we'll have prizes surprises yeah um, beautiful i really wish we could have a live koala with us just like hanging out in the van although the store in houston has said they are going to have a live koala so if Whoa. you want if you want some koala mauling footage uh, yeah those are awful mean animals that make terrible noises <laughs> yeah. and they have two thumbs, on, two each thumbs paw, on each paw which is horrible looking it's yeah. like <laughs> It's awful. Um, I didn't realize that until I had to draw them. And I was like, all right, here's all my concept art. Here's a, here's a koala. It's got hands like a human, doesn't it? And then like, nope, terrible this. Like a, like a xenomorph. Terrible like a this. adorable xenomorph. Like the worst Spock ever. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that's great mm -hmm. uh, is that all of the stores uh, and, and the people who like live in the cities, they're all like, man, we're going to take you out. We're going to get you nice and like, we're going to get you drunk. It's gonna be a really great time. Get you, get you a couple of glasses of Barnes and Noble. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> it's for sitting on the porch sipping it. Uh, and we're like, that sounds so like so much fun once, and then we have to do it uh, for twenty, I guess, twenty-one times in a row because we're just gonna be dead. We're just gonna be dead. Do you guys, so. do you guys know about the drinking game? Um, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an old classic. Yep. Uh, it's got many different names, but I know it most as the Wizard Staff. You guys know this game? It's a beer drinking game where after you finish a can of beer, you duct tape the new one on top of the old one, and then you drink with a second beer on the bottom, and you keep taping as you finish the cans, and you, you, you grow this staff of beer cans you drank out of, and to the point where you have 10 beers on this thing and you're walking around and you look like you're like playing a didgeridoo as you're like <laughs> drinking a beer. And then right? you're supposed and, to battle the other... Well, well, they're like, they're boss battles. You have to set the rules. Like the boss battles are just like shots of liquor. So like you, one boss is like Jack Daniels that you have to defeat. You defeat him by taking a shot of Jack Daniels in between. And then as you become different, each can is a level, and once you get past level 10 as a wizard, there are all these rules that the powers that you gain as a wizard and you're super drunk. I don't remember most of them, but uh, I know at level, I think it's level 11, you gain the power to call ex-girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> and then like, I think level 15, you become invisible and you get to act like you, no one can see you. So there's all these like crazy things. I was like, boy, that would be really, damn fun to do and then i realized that we would both die so uh maybe we'll make like a level three wizard staff <laughs> like uh, a wizard wand wizard wand you know what else is fun i, I actually uh, i don't drink alcohol i've never had any alcohol in my life uh -oh. um, but i'm gonna start for this tour for this out i'm gonna start <laughs> good. so i think that's gonna i think it's oh a good man idea. that's what bartles and james is perfect for <laughs> Yep. Some Boone's Farm? Yeah, Boone's Farm, some entry-level booze. Yeah. I am, I, I, I have drunk before. I have yeah, drunk well, before. Yeah, well, I know. But Mike's Heart <laughs> Lemonade doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the Wizard Tour. Should I prepare our obituaries for, like, the second day of the tour after we've both performed the Wizard Staff? I, I think one of the things we're planning to do is on the road in the van we're going to be doing, like, like Facebook Live or something like that, so we're kind of we're going to be have have video of some kind and be talking to people from the road, and so I just think you're going to see our decline, like mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, certainly. Then uh, we're also going to be, of course, because we have obligations to making comics. We're going to be uh, working that, while on the road, which will be really interesting. As Charles drives and I draw, and I drive and he writes, and uh, I hit all the potholes on purpose. Yeah. Um, I have a, a fun road game 
I learned it from the band Crash Test Dummies. Um, so uh, it's called the Anal Game. Okay. And what you, what you do is when you see a caravan, mm-hmm. like a trailer, they'll have some stupid name like um, let's see, Oasis. A caravan called the Oasis, Anal Oasis, and it just keeps building. And you fought, you'll you'll discover, you'll learn a lot about the various trade names of uh, Winnebagos and so on. But uh, it's good. Especially on those those long rides where yeah. where everything yeah. starts looking the same, mm, all of a sudden there'll be an anal oasis in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> we were all curse words, fun and games, and wine coolers, but then a question came from the audience that really cut to the core of what we were all thinking in the back of our minds, but hadn't mustered up the courage to cut through the bullshit and ask. Forget your awesome, fun-sounding indie book. What the hell was you guys pitch for a story focusing on Marvel's better-off-forgotten D-list novelty villain, Stiltman? Oh, man. Mm. Oh, there's so many good ones. Well, the, the core of the premise was that it was a complete reinvention of his, his concept and why he existed and why he did what he did. So the idea was that when he was young, 14 or 15, he kind of grew up uh, wrong side of the tracks, and, and his buddy, I think it was Gerald, it was Gerald, anyway got him super high on some random pill that he had. And so Stiltman, at this point he's just man, he's not even man, he's just boy. He gets really high and he hallucinates that he's rising into the air, higher and higher and higher. And he gets so high that he sees heaven. And he's like, it's, it's paradise, there's no pain, everything is wonderful in heaven. And he, and he eventually comes back down and you know his buddy doesn't have any more of that pill, he can't get any more. But he's like, if I could only get that high again, my life would be good. I would be, you know, I would be in heaven. I would be able to access paradise. So he builds the legs that he can get that high again. He's trying to get back to heaven. So that pill did something to his mind, obviously. But he, he keeps committing crimes so that he can just get back to what he thinks of as heaven, which is somewhere up, up there. So it's sad. It's really sad. Well, there was this whole thing about Stiltman having this chair that was like bolted into the ground and that he would commit crimes just from sitting in the chair because he would just kick his leg out and it would just go forever and you know I don't rob banks and stuff with his foot and I had this idea for an issue that I still think that I want to do it was going to be like a 64 page like maxi size enormous issue and the first page every page is a splash two page spreads first page is still man sitting in his chair kicking his leg up and it's going off the screen and then every other page is a two-page spread of the leg like traveling through a scene like still like going through one window of an apartment and out the other one and just like it's going through like the desert and like all these different like wonderful hilarious scenes and then in the final panel it's just kicking hulk in the face and, like, and that's just the whole issue mm-hmm. it would be so fun to draw except Listen, now I, i've ruined it for all these people true these multitudes um, <laughs> we can have the leg going through this panel and we can make it meta and it could be like you know knocking the table all the way you can be screaming trying to show a cover on your phone from yeah. 150 <laughs> feet away yeah yeah so that's basically what stuff would have been this poor guy just trying to get back to happiness really and i remember he was like like eating tons of tuna so that he could use the cans to yeah, like to add stack. segments oh into his legs so that he would get taller and taller yeah. and his, he had a like a very like a girlfriend who loved him so much knew that he was crazy but kind of was like enabling him because she she didn't want him to stop because it would have been too sad 
Like it was all he had was his dream of getting high. I remember this being a lot funnier than sad. See, that's the thing. That's that's. I think that's why we ultimately. We should have do written it. it down. I did. Remember, I. You know what? I just wrote the opening scene down. That's yeah. all I wrote, and it was just. It was the opening scene. Which, we need to rethink this. We'll go back to the drawing board on it. But the opening scene was uh, was basically him explaining to his concerned girlfriend like why he won't stop his life of crime because he just needs to he needs to get. Can more can and more I dope. suggest we add an animal to this story? <laughs> sure. What kind? Still manatee. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> Yep. Uh, the first arc is called the Stilt Manchurian Candidate. Sure. Yeah, that's really good. Sure. Have you guys floated this in Marvel at all? I'm gonna work. Uh, with I did else. actually, uh, and uh, they said no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a mistake. I know. What a, what a missed opportunity. Uh, we, I, I ran it by an editor, a, a trusted editor, of course. Mm. And to pitch it as, a, as like basically a web series, something to do on, on Marvel.com, just do kind of like a comic strip every week or whatever, as opposed to putting out issues and then collect it over time. And they were just like, look, I mean, the idea, I get it, but I get it because I know you and I know you can pull stuff like this off. <laughs> no one no one will understand this or get what you're going for. Did you think you could add the stilt manatee into the pitch? Sure. I did well, put it over the top. So he's like, look, not only did he say no one will get it, he's like, people might think of you differently if I actually pitch it to them. What? So, so think carefully about if you want me to take this to the higher ups. And I said, Jordan, I will think about that. I will think about that. And so that's where it, that's where it stays. That's oh, where it is. But I didn't have stilt manatee at that point. I mean, you could have you could have a bit where somebody's like, "Oh, the stilt manatee." <laughs> and next time they decide to inexplicably bring back the pet adventures, just be like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> stilt manatee. Yeah. 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 Um, they do one shots from time to time. See, this isn't. I don't want a one shot, man. I want a maxi series. I want an evergreen. I know. I did. I did that. Uh, Bear Devil, the Bear Without Fear, mm-hmm. five pager, and I really hope that he is now an official Marvel canon, uh, and um, a Marvel Universe handbook update will come up, come out with Bear Devil, the Bear Without Fear, who can smell spoiled baloney in a garbage can from like 30 miles away. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Bear Devil. Um, but we're getting off track. We're talking about Marvel projects. We should be talking about our image projects. And so the audience asks, did you consider any other animals for Margaret? Well, you know, in the, in the, in the story of the book, um, Margaret starts as a rat. And she's been a rat for five years, kind of by herself, running around New York City, and she hates it. And so she wants to be something that people won't want to immediately kill or poison. So I knew I wanted something cute. And I think by that point, Ryan had already drawn wizard with a koala and so we knew we were going to get there yeah and she um, originally had a little like pointed wizard hat on yeah, top which yeah. i kind of miss and you never know it might come back around but uh <laughs> there's a lot of storytelling related to margaret this isn't spoiling too much but in issue five she becomes a, a golden eagle and so one of the, the risks that that i am very willing to run right and this is the big the biggest i think single point of contention other than the baseball step of the book is is <laughs> is what like people love Margaret. There's a hashtag, there's a lot, a lot of people really like this character. And I am writing her almost like as a, as a, a person who changes and evolves and, and becomes different things literally over the course of the book. And there's, there's a concern that people like Margaret exactly how she is. And so if, if she changes too much, is it gonna be a problem for the book? I don't know, I guess we'll find out. 
It's a fair question. I mean, you, you built that fandom into the fabric of the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so people have really adopted Margaret that intensely? Yeah, Margaret is, is a big, big deal. To, to we, get, we have a letters column. Uh, you can send your letters to wizard at wizard.horse. That is our email address, for real, right? Yeah, a, a dot horse is a real URL. How? There's, there's hundreds that you can get now. And they all vary in prices based on how desirable they are. Like dot luxury is like a thousand dollars for oh, the URL. Wow. So um, that was horse. I don't know, like fifteen bucks. <laughs> but so there's dot horse, there's dot dog, there's dot cat. There's a, there's lots of things. There's no there's no dot art. There's no dot comics. So I went with my gut. And I went dot horse. <laughs> there is no dot koala. There is no dot magic. There is no dot wizard. I think I think wizard at wizard dot horse is the perfect you know, address for this book. And I don't think anyone in this room disagrees with with that idea. This is very um, valuable information yeah. for me. I am going to be purchasing lightning dot dog very soon. <laughs> there you go. So we get a lot of letters and. A not small percentage of them talk about Margaret, how much they love Margaret, how much they're concerned for Margaret, how much the reveal at the end of issue five kind of blew their minds and surprises them and want to know where that's going to go. So I have a very specific sense of what Margaret is, how she's going to work in the book and what she's going to do. It's kind of like um, you could not get two books or two series more different than Game of Thrones and Curse Words. But the thing that I think they, they share in my mind is that they are not necessarily precious about characters in the way you think they're supposed to go. Like things will happen to these characters that, you know, not everybody's gonna enjoy, but it's part of this, like I, I'm gonna, I think story should be above likability of the book almost, which is kind of like a weird way to put it. I, that's, that's not exactly what I mean. I don't think you should be precious with the characters because you're worried about people's emo emotional response to changing them or killing them or whatever you're gonna do to them. Margaret's not gonna die, but you know? Mm -hmm. I'm sort of convincing Ryan. Nope, <laughs> nope, not at all. Well, I, if, if you're shape-shifting Margaret this early on, like the Golden Needle thing was a surprise to me because I kind of I feel like, oh, I still want more Koala Margaret. I think there's yeah. more, to, more to be done there. Uh -huh. But at the same time, earlier the better, right? Because then you can get people used to the idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, in the course of the film Willow, Yes, uh, of course, absolutely. Finn yeah. Rizal becomes multiple animals, yeah. and they're all pretty good. Yeah. We maybe didn't get enough goat. Yeah. But, <laughs> That's, that's an excellent reference and an excellent point. Um, we should have Margaret turn into Mad Mardigan. <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah, yeah, how about that? Uh, hot young Val Kilmer, perfect. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that the... I think you, you can't always give readers exactly what they think they want. You know, it's what the story needs. Sure, but I just really like drawing those horrible... Gross. <laughs> well, you know, the thing you get to draw now is pretty weird, too. Well, one of our... Wonderful readers wrote in a letter to point out that koalas don't have tails, mm -hmm. and I said, "Of course they don't. Why? I don't draw koalas with tails." And then our colorist pointed out that in one panel in issue five, I drew her with a little nub of a tail. I have no idea how that happened. Magic. I don't know, but I feel bad magic. now. So now it's it's, it's out it in the, the trade. Nope, nope. <laughs> no, left it, left it. It was left over from the back. Yeah, it was left over from the back. That's exactly right. I, In that one panel. Yes. You know, the, the, thing, the thing is, there's, there's a storytelling point. Like, I didn't know that, this is, this is another example of sort of the way the book changes and evolves. I didn't know that, I didn't notice that Ryan had done that. Um, but when he told me he'd done it, I didn't realize that it was just for one panel. I, I assumed he just had done it through the whole thing. And then that gave me an idea that I, I think I called you about and you didn't pick up. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I texted him. And I explained it, and his text response was, was that why you were calling? 
And I said yes, and then no response, that was it. <laughs> but the idea, in order to properly execute it, now that I know he only did it in one panel, would require Ryan adding a tail to Margaret every time she shows up throughout the entire first trade, which I think is worth it, and you should do. Okay, whatever, man. Deal. Those files have already gone to print. Uh, the trade is already <laughs> set for publication in July. William P. Barnes and John T. Noble yep. have been poring over the files. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have. But uh, I think all that is scuttled now. Because no, no notes from them. They one, actually, one neither, of neither of them can read. That's their dark secret. <laughs> That's true. The shapes look good. <laughs> yep. We just love paper. <laughs> we don't know what's on it, we the just love the paper. The taste yeah. of it, mm. <laughs> Give me a pricing gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And now we'll end the panel on a final critical question. What's Charles and Ryan's favorite curse word? Um... I'd say Poodoo from, from Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yes. I don't even get that because I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain it in the script on the road. Be sure to include the picture. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I like old prospectory ones like Tarnations and Drats. I don't know if those are curse words. I don't know. What, in tarnation? Yeah, something like that. I think that's all right. Tarnation just means like hell. Yeah, a nation of tar. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's put tarnation in the book. Let's, or maybe that's, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I think my favorite curse word is damn it, as in, damn it, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. All right, we did it. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. It was great. And for you folks just coming in, the next panel has been canceled. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. So for this podcast, here's some good news. Like I mentioned earlier, in two weeks, we're posting up my discussion with Gerhard, background artist for Cerebus the Aardvark, a guy whose work I have been admiring for years and years and years. And if you liked what you heard and you support us on Patreon at $5 or more, you can get access right now to another panel I did, LGBTQ plus comics, creators, and characters, where I was joined by Brian Pittard from other Nerdy Show Network series, Flame On, and we had a rousing conversation about representation and expression in the industry with Tamara Bond villain, an incredible colorist working on some of the biggest books in the industry, T. Franklin, author of the graphic novella Bingo Love and contributor to the Love is Love anthology, Michelle Nolan, a pop culture and comics historian and the author of Love on the Racks, The Definitive History of American Romance Comics, and Zora Gilbert, editor of the wonderful queer historical romance anthology, Dates. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com nerdyshow, and if you like this episode and want to support more quality nerd entertainment for your friends here at the Nerdy Show Network, then please consider donating. Even a dollar not only gets you hours and hours of bonus content, but helps ensure that we can keep doing what we do, and it makes a world of difference. You can also shop via our Amazon links at nerdyshow.com Amazon, and anything you buy through those links will give back to us. We highly recommend bookmarking that so it's your only portal to Amazon, and you can just casually support Nerdy Show. And if you write in and tell us about any purchases you want us to highlight, well, we'll give you a shout out on the show. And if you truly can't spare any money, perhaps you can spare a little bit of your time and rate and review us on iTunes. But iTunes is fortunately not the only game in town anymore. It's still the biggest outlet for people finding podcasts, but it's definitely not the best. And while rating and reviewing there is still awesome, and we will still read your iTunes reviews here on the show, we do want to point out an awesome new place engineered for podcast discovery, and that's Podchaser. 
Podchaser is a platform that's in closed beta right now, but if you go to podchaser.com and insert either the codes nerdy or nerdy show, and you'll gain access to where you can easily rate and review your favorite series as well as your favorite episodes. So if you dug this episode, please give us a five-star rating, maybe a quick review, and you can also input tags, which as the user-created tag base builds, will be used to discover things like being able to search specific episodes specifically about comic books or even specifically about curse words or all interview episodes that Charles Soule or Ryan Brown have ever given or even every episode of a podcast that I've ever been on regardless of whether I made it or not. That's what this platform is built for. People finding new podcasts to love or even going deeper on the podcasts, episodes, and hosts that they love. You can go to a podcast and you could actually see all the highest rated individual episodes. If I want to try out something new, then I can sample from the best of the best of that series. We think it's pretty cool, and hopefully you will too. That's at podchaser.com. If you're interested in discovering other big name interviews we've done, we've got an entire index, and it's all broken down into the different genres people operate in. Just go to nerdyshow.com and click on our wiki, or click on through to Nerdy Show's greatest hits in our podcast list, and you'll be able to find all the times we've spoken to amazing comic creators and other nerd personalities, as well as previous encounters with these particular gentlemen. But now, taking us out, is the perfect song to complement a discussion about curse words. This is Fuck This Song from Schaefer the Dark Lord's 2007 record, Mark of the Beast. You can hear this along with thousands of other awesome nerd tracks over at our streaming online music platform, nerdy.fm. Also available on Apple and Android as an app. So tune in next week for more nerdy show pop culture potpourri goodness. The week after that for me talking to Gerhard. And now, here's Fuck This Song by Schaefer the Dark Lord. Come on, clap. Clap. Everybody clap. Come on, now clap. Just like that. Now stop that clapping. I will start rapping. Fuck this, fuck that, fuck me, fuck you, fuck everyone here and everybody else too. Fuck off, fuck face, fuck all night long, fuck everything everywhere and fuck this song. Fuckity, fuckity, fucking motherfuckity. It sucks how some fuckers make such a fuss when they fuck with me. And it sucks how this fucking word fuck seems to be stuck to me. Luckily, the company I keep doesn't care. Everywhere and anywhere, everybody swears when their little middle fingers wiggle up in the air. Dare me not to use it, dude, and I will lose a dare. Cause I struggle with this usage every time that I write rhymes. Times I abuse it, but try as I might, my little F word is heard. It bites my ass, I fight it back a and then it slips right in and begins to blend in, filling syllables in. And if it offends and or if in the end I defend its intent, then I'll get different friends. Come on! Shake. I'm on it, and when I'm in the house, that house is haunted, and when I'm on the roof, that roof is on fire, and every time I do tell the truth, I sound like a liar, so fuck it, and fuck this song, and fuck me, let me hear you all say fuck STD, fuck STD, yes you understand, and in case I haven't mentioned it, fuck you and your band, if you see K, tell her I say hey, and then tell her she should say the hell away today, and if K takes offense to this, then just say, I'm sorry K, I guess that this just isn't your day, any person heard cursing so much it's absurd, is worse than any jerk referring to himself in third person, take it from shape. Cause he's a nerd and he's certain the dirty words are for the birds This verse was terse then
me Fuck you, fuck everyone here and everybody else too Fuck off, fuck face, fuck all night long Fuck everything everywhere and fuck this song This word is most often a verb when it's mentioned But it's a fucking awesome adverb in this sentence Every then and now found as a put down noun Or even as an adjective as in you fucking clown Wow, this number's running now and how And it's something about nothing except fucking and now I see why this trap happens so often in time And why half of all rappers have acidly rhyme And I find that my cousins use cousin is stuffing Fluffing up some fucked up, huffing and puffing about nothing Under unintelligible mumbling and this bumbling fuckery gets so redundant and insulting Consumers are stupid, goofy, gullible vultures with iPods My god, why does pop culture even get to have a status as a culture at all? What passes for subversive has nerve but no balls And you know what I find funny? Monkeys You know what's even funnier? The phrase fucking monkeys Utter it with me fuckers, say it fucking monkeys It's fun, huh? You're a bunch of fucking monkeys Fucking monkeys, monkey fuck a bunch of motherfucking mothers But some other monkeys fuck each other under one another If you want to fuck a monkey lover, give us a kiss Man, I'm fucked if I want a radio edit of this Come on! Banana Rama, Alabama, Hanna-Barbera, and a... It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.